Hello, people of the internet. I hope you are all doing well. And thank you for coming to hang out with me today. For those of you who are new here, welcome to Start the Beat, a podcast documenting the past, present, and future of the Pittsburgh music scene. I am your host, Brian Sykes Howe. And today, we will be talking with my friend, Clinton Clegg of The Common Heart. For those of you who were here last week and listened to my episode with Hemlock for Socrates, thank you for coming back. Thumbs up. I'm stoked, 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 stoked to share today's conversation with all of you. Clinton is such a cool dude. And talks like this remind me why I'm still doing this podcast after all of these years. I am very grateful that I had the opportunity to have this conversation. And I think you will be delighted that you took the time today to check it out. This is a good one. So please sit back, relax, and let's start the motherfuck. For those of you who tuned in last week, this probably isn't even going to be my intro. I'm workshopping new intros because I don't like the old one. I did the old one for almost 350 episodes. I could probably change it, right? What was the old one? So the old one went, hello and welcome to Start the Beat with Sykes. My name is Sykes and this is my podcast. For those of you who are coming back, Thanks so much. For those of you who are new to the show, welcome. Please feel free to make yourselves at home. And as always, there's beer and soda in the fridge. It's okay, but it's not exactly what I want it to be. I liked it. Oh, let's, thank you. Let's workshop some new ones. Let me okay. hit me. So this is the new one that I was thinking of. Hello and welcome to Start the Beat, the show where we document the past, present, and future of the Pittsburgh music scene and highlight individuals. My name is Brian Sykes Howe. I am your host. And today I'm sitting here with the one and only Clinton Clegg of The Common Heart. I mean, I'm biased, but that was pretty good. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I liked it. I liked it. No, it's to the point. It's direct. I mean, yeah, it lets them know what you're doing. Tight. I'm yeah. with it. I think sometimes you need to be a little bit more defined. Right. You know, if you want things to be able to reach a certain point, I need to be able to be like, to answer a question like, what's your show about? Oh, it's about the past, present, and future of the Pittsburgh music scene. That's it. Right. Yep. That's it. You know, and I'm sure somebody that is like yourself, who is a working musician in the entertainment industry, probably understand how important the nuance of your thing may be, even if you know, to you, it's so much more than just like one sentence. You know what I mean? Yeah. hundred percent. I yeah. mean, you got, you know, be specific. You got to. And, but the thing that sparks in my brain when you say that is, you know, Pittsburgh music scene, there's a lot more to explore there than just musicians. Mm. You know, we got the, uh, you know, we got the venue owners, the promoters, the bartenders, anybody that's involved with us every day. Um, but I digress. I'm just pointing out more potential podcast interviews. You know, you, you bring <laughs> up like a really, really good point because I'm sure there are some people that have owned some venues in the city, some classic ones that if yeah. I could get my hands on their time, right? I'm sure they could tell some fantastic stories. I'm Electric banana. I'm looking at you. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, so for those of you that don't know, I mean, the common heart is a pretty hardworking band that's been doing the thing for quite some time, not only in the Pittsburgh area, but I mean, like you're a traveling band, you go all over the place and have had a lot of great opportunities. We, we are a traveling band. That is for sure. Um, we're based here in Pittsburgh. We play uh, what I like to describe as rock and roll music with a lot of soul and gospel influence. We put on a very high energy rock and roll show but there's clearly a lot of like soul music and gospel influence within it. We're a band full of uh, rock songs, full of positivity and love. And that's what we're about spreading love and, and having a really a good time trying to create an, a, a positive emotional experience for anybody that comes to our show. Totally. Now, you know, there's an interesting thing in terms of like the background of a musician, like how, somebody that's been making music for so long 
gets to this point, right, where they want to create art that is highlighting positivity and like a good time and things like that. Because a lot of art doesn't come from a positive place, like in its roots, right? Right. So I'm really curious about like your background just as like a human being and like how long it maybe it took you to like get to this point of wanting to put out like positive art has it always been like that or was there like a rougher side in the early days way rougher side in the earlier days it, it was quite the opposite of that um in the start i was initially a child of the church then quickly became a child of divorce and then became a student of hardcore and dark music that made me feel good and then i eventually found soul and r&b and gospel and different things music that made me feel something very positive and that's how I kind of transformed into the music I'm creating now is, you know, kind of took those steps. But in the early days, it was very much heavy, kind of dark music. I loved, I loved metal. I loved like great hip hop music, great rap music, great metal music. Um, but it, I was an angsty teenager. I had yeah. a lot, I had a lot going on at home. I shuffled around a few houses. It, you know, things weren't peachy. Um, and I, you know, the music I was listening to gave me a lot of relief. Music affected me emotionally at a very young age. And then when I got to pretty much right before college into college is when I really started to get into the kind of music I'm doing now, uh, which is, you know, more blues and soul and R&B driven. But in the early days, it was a little darker, but really the common heart, the band, and not to harp on us, but like, the experience of like playing live, they brought me to like preaching about positivity and love. Like really our audiences taught me that, mm. you know, the response I would get when we would, you know, cause all our songs are about love and, and whatever, but their response to like me singing a song about trying to be a good member of your community. It's a simple song. It's, it's called do right. It's basic. It's real simple. It's just about like, you know, don't be afraid of your family, try to embrace it kind of stuff. But that, when they responded to that, they didn't tell me like, Hey, I really like that song. They were like, Hey, I really like your message. And I really like what you're about, you know? And that kind of was like a light bulb went off and I was like, no, people need this kind of, you know, people, people need to feel good about something. And that just made the whole band feel really good. And we're like, this is great. Like, why don't we lean into just, you know, being a positive force, have our show be, you know, about joy and, you know, try to take people away from all the bullshit out there. And sorry, I should have asked you if I can swear. Oh, you can swear. <laughs> uh, yeah, but, you know, that kind of thing, just an escape for folks. A place you can come and, and just, you know, get a smile going and, and have a good feeling. My experience is very similar to yours in terms of, you know, broken home, into dark music and all of this stuff. But as I got older... I started to find that the things that I really liked about heavy music and the things that I still love about it is just like the aggression and the intensity of it and not necessarily what is sometimes like the negative or cliche messaging of it. But you can find a lot of that similar energy in blues, in soul. Sometimes it's even heavier because it's probably coming from a more genuine place and not just like some suburban kid that's mad that a girl broke up with him. Like, right. you know, people were like, have some real anger, but it's still like, you can hear it in the voice and you can hear it in the performances, regardless of the genre. You know, I, I remember when I was, I, I was 17 years old and I had an operation Ivy record and I was <laughs> driving a Buick century, this old blue piece of garbage. And I was speeding because the music, and I was like emotional. I was like, it gave me an edge. It was like, oh, this music makes me feel something. And I'm like speeding a little bit. And I, I pulled over and I got a ticket. And I was just like, I wasn't upset about the ticket. <laughs> if that makes any sense. I was like, no, no, I was on a vibe. Like I felt good about that. You know, it was just like, but that's what metal or punk or like that kind of high energy music can provide. You know, it's just like, a, it, it just can make you escape. It's, it's very empowering. It's just like, it's, it's positive aggression, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? And like that kind of emotion shouldn't be ignored. And that's what that music always gave me. I, 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 you know, that's... Yeah, totally. It's the same thing. I, I always had 
And I still have a really hard time relating with my peers in like the heavy music world sometimes because there are people that are there for, I don't want to say like bad reasons, but you know, like they're still going through something and everybody goes through stuff. But like I kind of lucked out in a sense where it's like I was able to get through my shit that I grew up with and like, you know, get myself into a life that was like, I'm in a good place. Like, you know, I have great friends and a home that I like and a good job and, you know, I can take care of myself. And like, it's like, I can't relate to a lot of this music anymore. I still appreciate the aggression from like a, like an artistic standpoint, but I feel like an outsider more in that realm than I ever had. Yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe I just grew up. I don't Maybe know. you grew up. I think so. When you describe those those the, those people, quote unquote, I, I, they're probably people that just still don't know their reasons yet. Sure, you know what I mean. Totally. Like that's, that's and you can kind of see that and be like, oh, you know, and you're there. You know what I mean? Maybe you're maybe just you're at a place where you understand your reasons a little more. Mm-hmm. You know, and that and that's a good thing. And but it's also a good thing to recognize that there's going to be people that aren't there yet. And and I think. I might feel like I'm there sometimes where I'm at a centered place where I feel like I understand what I'm, what I got the next chapter and figure it out. But then like the next day it can change. Absolutely. <laughs> That's kind of just a funny thing about, I guess, life. <laughs> you know, with music and your creative journey, a question that I'm always super curious about is when you start to dive into making a lot of music you eventually like find yourself maybe appreciating things that you didn't appreciate when you were younger maybe liking things that you never thought in a million years you would like i'm curious if there's any stuff like that with you like as you've matured have you like opened up more to other things that you would have never found yourself listening to in high school? Oh, uh, yeah, in some ways. So like when I'm in like that super writing space, I, I just get so mad of the process (laughs) that it drives me crazy. So I need to like find peaceful places to go and like, like just kind of unplug. And what I mean by that is like, when I have, like right now we're writing our next record. I'm in it. I'm in it deep. I have 12 songs going in my head all the time. And I just get angry that, that, that people who actually like my music can't hear it immediately. Sure. Go through the process of like, Oh, this is going to take six months to record and then six months to put out. And then they're not going to hear this thing in 2025. I wouldn't even like it by then. Like it was, what what's the deal with all this stuff? But you know, what, during those times to like remind myself of, to have patience is I make sure that I listen to a lot of music and that's to answer your question. I will explore some stuff. Like I like to find some old stuff. I haven't listened to in a long time or, you know, I'll look for suggestions of some new stuff. You know, I always go back to this, one Al Green record that just gives me a lot of comfort and just kind of like settles me down and, you know, just kind of reset and, you know, push me through those kind of frustrated times. I was listening to this new Nora Jones track the other day. I I like to go all over the map, but back to what we were talking about earlier, sometimes like I'll throw on injustice for all (laughs) have some private time, (laughs) maybe a couple shots of JMO and an iron city and like, just listen, you know, get in the backyard and, you know, go through an old Metallica record. Cause they're, first of all, they're amazing. Yeah. And they, you know, I haven't needed them in a while, but it'll kind of stuff like that can center me. Totally. I think that it's really easy to kind of like, I don't want to say shit on them because a lot of people still like them now. I'm not like necessarily the hugest fan of anything that they've done in the past decade or two personally, yeah, yeah. but I mean, I'm not going to be like, fuck them. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. They're a little forefathery for me. Sure. Like, so like the classic records are the classic records. Yeah. What they do now. Good for you. Like, totally. I'm, it, I'm not anti, but it's crazy. It's just like, you know, it's like the stuff they do now. It's not bad, but if you go back and listen to 
Master of Puppets or Injustice for All or even like Ride the Lightning or the Black Album. Like those are like songs that are like motherfucking songs. Oh, yeah. Like, holy shit. It's so easy to take them for granted because I grew up with them and I'm sure you did, too. Yeah. yeah. But like if you like remove yourself from it, don't listen to it for a few years and then you listen to it again. Fuck, man. Like so ahead of the curve. So cool. Oh, yeah. No, that, that stuff's amazing. Have you ever found yourself being interested in like doing like a heavier thing now just for fun? Yeah, I think I think about it a lot because so I had I was a part of uh, some projects in my younger years that were pretty heavy, and I have very fond memories, and the people involved in them are still friends and tremendous musicians to this day, and. I I kind of think about a reboot of some of that stuff. I used to be in a band called Our Date with Poverty. And, okay. and we had some, we had like a pretty fun fanship where I grew up and like we would go into like a bar in Finleyville, Pennsylvania and drink them out of Jaeger and Icy Light. <laughs> like, it's like you're not, like we had some good times. Awesome. So I mean, like, yeah, so speaking of that, like, where did you grow up, actually? I I grew up in Monongahela, um, Bethel Park till I was 10, then my parents split up, and then I went to where my mom grew up in Monongahela, and I graduated from Ringgold. Um, So I was always running around that Mon Valley area. Got you. Being a a child of divorce, my mom was, uh, she had a guilt, a little bit of a guilt streak in her, and let me run amok a bit, to say it lightly. Mm. And, you know, uh, my house was, you know, a bit of the band house, you know, we, we were able to have some fun in there and have some good times. Um, and then we eventually came into like, be like, Hey, you know, play our bar, bring your friends kind of thing. And, uh, we did, and it just turned into like raging weekends and totally, you know, fun, fun stuff. Um, for sure. And I, I think about, you know, like, Maybe going back and doing, you know, a, a reboot kind of record or just like a reunion show or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that would be really fun. But outside of that, I mean, as far as writing goes, my head's not quite there, but I wouldn't be opposed to it. You're obviously somebody that, you know, came from a DIY background. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, DIY in like not a major city which is like a whole different can of worms than somebody that grows up in like a DIY scene in like some sort of like a metropolitan area. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but so you, you come up through that and you know, you cross genres, you meet a lot of people. It seems like, you know, my understanding is that you stayed reasonably adjacent to the music scene for like a good part of your life. And, you know, you work in work and work. And then, you know, you get to this point now where you have a band like the common heart that we mentioned at the beginning is a traveling band that has, you know, surpassed the DIY ceiling, which is something that is really hard for most bands mm-hmm. to cross. So, you know, from your personal experience, and this is like a, a, a insane question because it is like the question for a lot of people. It's just like, how do you break that ceiling of like no more DIY, even though it is still DIY to some degree, like, it, you know, it never stops. But obviously, you know, the common heart operates on a different level because it's like, you know, you're not playing at, you know, the same bar in Finleyville now, you know what I mean? You're playing stages that are a little bit bigger that might fit a few thousand more people in them. So, you know, what was that like? And again, to, to not lose the question, you know, what do you think it is that like, what are bands fucking up in your opinion? (laughs) That's the easiest way to say it. Heavy, heavy question. I know. I respect it. (laughs) Um, You know, I I just want to say from the gate that I don't have it perfect and I still don't know. Uh, I, I know our story and I know our opportunities. And I know that when I saw them and approached them, I approached them with a big bat and a great team. And uh, one of the reasons we had the success that we had was the people around us, not only in the band, but also um, behind the scenes and those people behind the scenes appeared because we were able to sell tickets and, and, and have it and have a quality product. I, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to shy away from 
complimenting my band members. I, th- I feel like we had a, a quality show that was that we took a lot of pride in and we worked very hard at. And we were able to deliver it in front of a, a bunch of folks and be able to create, you know, ticket sales and drive things like that. Can I tell a story? Absolutely. I, I think I've told it a couple of times, so I hope I'm not boring anybody. But, you know, the Common Hearts Real Break locally was I got a call from someone that had said on the ID, it said Austin, Texas. And I answered the call and it was uh, a a blues rock player named Gary Clark Jr. Who's an amazing talent and a, you know, a national recording artist. I've heard of him. Badass. Um, They said, Hey, we need an opening act for tomorrow night. We heard your band's great. Are you free? I said, yes. I had eight other band members at the time. I had not spoke to them. I just said, yes, <laughs> one day's notice. I was like, we're doing this. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, we got there and the, the, and the show happened and went great. But the key part of that story is that that night we got to be in front of 2000 WIEP members of our direct demographic, people who love blues and soul and R&B music. And we went in and we did our job. Like I said, we carry a big bat, go in, do the job, do the work. We knocked it out of the park. That led to us selling out Smalls three months later with our first album, Grown. Selling out Smalls as a local band made a couple people, promoters locally, open their eyes and be like, hey, all right, something's here. We hooked up with Opus One, who, you know, and they connected a team of an agent and we figured out a plan to go down to South by Southwest where we shopped our first and second record. And we ended up connecting with a label, which led us to now your team's bigger. So this team, you know, comes together and that leads to, okay, so how do we get this band to the next level? Okay. Well, the natural step is they should be opening for somebody. They should be going out and get some national recognition as we plan to like put this second record out and so, you know, so on and so forth. All of these things I said, just to stop in the middle of this and say like, very fortunate, very grateful walking, you know, this isn't easy. You know, this isn't, this isn't, there's no like manual of how to do this. We were very fortunate to get that Gary Clark Jr. gig. It was luck. It was because Tim Gaber from the Pittsburgh winery knew a girl <laughs> who was dating the drummer of Gary Clark and was just like, this band's cool. I, I, yeah. That's like literally the science. Totally. Totally. Absolutely. A awesome friend knew a girl that was dating a guy and said, this band's good. And then we got put in front of 2000 folks. Like that's the math. It's not about fair and unfair that that's just how it went. I, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm just be dead honest yeah, about no, it. Like, no. But that night meant, really turned a corner for us, especially locally, because we got in front of so many folks from our hometown, you know, it was real. And I appreciate it. I'm grateful for it. And that's kind of how the whole thing launched. I think that the funny thing is that, honestly, you answered the question like right up at the beginning. The story is great, but the answer, and this is the same thing that I've been telling people, because this is what will happen, right? You get people that are like, caught up in like, you know, the branding and the algorithm and having the right music video or the right recordings and all this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, all that stuff's important. But like nine times out of 10, when I ask somebody what they're focusing on, they don't say songwriting. (laughs) You know, it's like, you got to have a good product. Oh yeah. And then the rest is there. I think so many people get caught up in the rigmarole of everything else, but it's just about like, yeah, can you show up? Can you play good? Things will happen. You don't need an admin team if you don't have a product. Yeah. And I'll do all that work if we're good. You know, that's why I tell my band all the time. I was like, it's fun to play music, but it feels real good to be good. (laughs) You know, like rehearsals, like all that kind of stuff. Like, I mean, honestly, like, you know, being totally transparent, you know, like I've had conversations with my band where it's just been like, why didn't this work out? And really, it's just because we aren't there yet. 
we can sit there and be like, oh, well, like the album cover wasn't engaging enough or like we didn't do enough to like try to tour. You know, it's not that we weren't knocking on any doors. We were knocking. People looked out the people. We're like, nah. You know, obviously having like connections and friends help, you know, having somebody that knows somebody that works at a place that dates somebody, that kind of shit helps. But also like that person wouldn't have recommended you if you weren't fucking good. So it's just like my only thing is just like write good songs, play them good live. Like that has to be the primary. That's the foundation. But also this is going to sound even more rudimentary and this, and this is important. And I'm speaking to every person at every venue in this town, in this world. You got to be cool. <clears throat> you better be nice. And be nice. Be cool. Be friendly. These are key points. Young people. <laughs> if, you, if you're listening and wondering, be on time, be kind, be nice, and you better be cool. I just gave you the best touring band advice that you ever got. Yeah. Some people can't do that. No. Well, I mean, that's the other thing, too, is that like, you can't take this shit for granted. It's not easy. It's a lot of work. And like the people, when you go to venues, the people that are like helping you load in or running lights or running sound or the bartenders, all those people are working their fucking asses off. You need to be fucking nice to all of them. Like I make it a point to fucking thank every goddamn person at the venue that I can on and off stage when I'm there because I know what it is. So, I mean, honestly, as somebody that's like come up in the industry, I've had almost every single job that those people have now, you know, I've been there, but like, there are a lot of people that haven't, they, you know, just want to show up and play their music. And they think that that's all they need to do. They don't need to talk to people. They don't need to see people. It's about, it's about them. It's not about the bigger picture. And it's very, very, very sad. And I've worked in a venue too. And there's, you know, three types of artists come through. There's dickheads who aren't worth anybody's time. Then there's ones that really just say nothing and keep themselves, which is fun. But when an artist takes the time to acknowledge somebody that's working there and thank you, you don't have to become their best friend, but just like, oh, I appreciate that. Thank you. Oh, my name's Clinton. What's your name? Oh, that's cool. What do you do? Those are how you make marks in this industry. Yeah. Because you better believe those people on the grindstone and those venues are a part of this industry and you making a good impression is a huge, huge thing. And they're all human. Yeah. So that's the thing, not to like make it rudimentary again, but it's kind of the do unto others. Yeah. Yeah. Type Gold, of thing. Golden roll shit. Dude. Yeah. It's just, <laughs> just be nice to people. Yeah. There are, sound people in Pittsburgh. And there are some of those sound people, this is me avoiding saying names, that are a little notorious for being, you know, maybe a little hard to work with. Sure. And most of those people are like my favorite people because they're actually good people. It's just the fact that if somebody's a dick to them, they're not going to bend over. So it's funny. I can usually tell if I'm talking to somebody and you're like, yeah, that person's a dickhead. I'm like, oh, you're actually probably a dickhead. Right. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. Oh, I totally know. What you mean. <laughs> yeah. Because if you can't navigate kindness. Yes. You got some other shit to work on. Exactly. I mean, you know, that that's something that I, I'll take a great deal of pride in. I, even if somebody's rough around the edges, I find my way in. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> like that's, that's important. It's always been so fun, especially being and still being a part of the heavy metal rock world is you meet these people that, you know, come off as totally like very porcupiney, but they're like, they're nice people. You know, they just probably come from the same sort of fucked up backgrounds that I did and that you did. And maybe and they, they may have just not had their coffee yet. Good, yeah, or or something as simple as that too, you know. 
And like, I mean, I've been told that sometimes I could come off as a little unapproachable and I don't mean to. Right. Maybe me just standing around looks a little angry. I'm not angry. I'm probably just thinking about something else that I like could be doing. Like, oh, I need to mix this song or I need to email this venue or like, you know, I'm just always in my head thinking. And I'm sure the way that that looks on the exterior is probably a little intense. But I'm not an intense person. I'm just always working. I'm trying to climb and do the next thing and build, you know? That's good. That's a good thing. Yeah. Like to, you know, I wouldn't, you know, how, however you, somebody might look, still approach, still go, you know what I mean? You never know what they got going on. You know what I mean? I, I understand that completely because as a guy who also has a million things going on in his brain all the time, I can only imagine how I look half the time. <laughs> um, but I, <laughs> I, I, I hope anyone can approach. Um, all are welcome. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, right now you are working on a new album, as you've already mentioned, and you're like in the middle of all of this, you know, writing songs and things like that. For me, the songwriting process either goes one of two ways. I either write a song in 20 minutes or it takes me two years. Where are you on this? How is your process similar maybe a little a little more com- confined I, <laughs> i'm being dramatic i'm ra- no yeah 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 i'm r- i'm rarely at the 20 minute mark I say that. <laughs> yeah the, i'm obviously being dramatic but you know yeah it starts with a concept i like i used to write a, a lot differently than i do now and actually our last record was a real college for me in songwriting um, because our producer really challenged me and I learned a lot from him. Um, our, our last record, we were fortunate enough to work with Steve Berlin from um, Los Lobos. We were touring, opening for them. And he was like, hey, you know, if you guys want to make a record, I'd, I'd work with you. And then I started sharing song concepts with him. And he, you know, got back to me and was like, hey, you know, just gave me some real feedback, some real hard gut wrenching feedback. And I was like, okay. And, you know, basically he told me that my songs were lacking narrative and story and mm-hmm. that, you know, and he was right. He, he just expressed that he wanted to hear, he wanted to know more. Like, I want to know more. What do you, this line here, it's good, but like, I want to know more here and you're not getting there. So with that advice, I kind of went back and got, you know, real, you know, introspective, if you will, and just kind of like, challenge myself to to push more have my songs have more narrative and more story and with that you know the songs got stronger and and you know he, he approved of them and i'm kind of taking that in now where like n- now my writing is i try to come up with like what i want to say before i write it or or if i have like an idea of like a just like a basic lyric idea that i think's cool or like a melody that i think's hot you know, I'll just be like, okay, well, that's cool. What do I want to say ultimately with the song? What's the goal of the song? So I think the thing that's been churning in my brain a lot more lately is goal of the song. That's kind of like my inner monologue. Mm. Goal of the song. Story of the song. What's the point? Have a point. That's what resonates. That's so cool. That, so that's been happening more recently. And it's kind of a new chapter of songwriting for me. And I, I've been enjoying it. It's also challenging but that's good absolutely yeah you know you don't want to get yourself into a position where you're just turning the wheel again you know you know it's it's, for me i find that the end result like having a song done Mm -hmm. sometimes is kind of a bummer because it's like the process is like what i thrive for And like, it's kind of bit me in the ass, especially when it comes to putting out records Mm -hmm. because I'm like, oh, great. We released this record. Like, I love writing. I just want to keep going. I mean, I like playing live and doing all that stuff, too. But like the studio and like writing is just like where I want to be all the time. Yeah. And, you know, with me, the songwriting process is always um, like music first, I find. 
It's like, what is this music telling me to write about? Would you say in your songwriting like process, is it typically a guitar riff that starts you out? Or does, is it ever discussed like a drum kind of thing? Like- I mean, so, you know, my roots as a musician are in hip hop. You know, I've been making beats since I was 13 years old, but I grew up listening to my first favorite band ever was Iron Maiden, you know, and so that's like a yin and yang right there. Right. You know, there was a lot of classic rock, heavy metal in the home. Yeah. Um, But I spent a lot of time with my grandmother and she loved Aretha Franklin, Ella Fitzgerald, all that stuff. And my uncle, too, her son, my mom's brother, was like a huge Rolling Stones guy. The Kinks, Beatles, all that stuff. I was born in 1985. So I'm going to school in the early 90s. So all my friends in school are like, this is Rage Against the Machine. This is the Smashing Pumpkins. This is Green Day. So it's all of that at the same time, you know, and in terms of like, where I'm getting like inspiration from as a musician was all of that, you know, and there's so much going on. And like now when like I think about writing a song, you know, sometimes it is like, you know, a really cool guitar part, or sometimes it could be a cool synth part. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes it is just like, I just want to focus on the drums. Like when it comes to Grey Walker, which is the metal band that I play in, mm-hmm. that is primarily like my only notes half the time when we're like working on writing songs together i very rarely give the guitar players any notes i'm always like harping on the drums because it's like i'm locking in with the the drums and the bass because i'm just barking like a rabid dog Mm -hmm. on these songs and it's like i need to lock in with you and the guitar needs to be doing its own thing so we can dance together um but when i'm working on something like normal creatures which is like my rap project um that's a much different story it'd be so crazy for you to have two totally different artistic outlets like that i mean it's always been like that for me though i've done indie rock i've done industrial i've done hip-hop metal it's just like pretty much almost anything that you can think of i've done but i love everything Yeah, yeah i wish that you could like mix it all together and right. like you can't you can't just there's it's there's, not a great business model it, it's it's hard because that goes back not to, to think about it so callous but. well well that's the thing where it's like with normal creatures and it, we still have this problem because like normal creatures is my baby project uh-huh. right and actually to be uh i'll tell you this in a minute but it's my baby project and uh you know that's the thing where i want it to be as selfish as possible it's my thing you know, and we have a whole live band. I want more members. The thing that I've always told people, like when I'm like, I've said this to the band literally is like, I want to be the common heart of rap rock in Pittsburgh. <laughs> like I want a huge band, Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and I want, and it's like, that's the thing is like, it's all for us. It's all about the show. It's about having good fucking songs and putting on a good show and just highlighting good musicianship and cool songwriting, which is something that I've always really envied about your band and you as a frontman. And like, I find that inspirational for me. And even though we make completely different fucking music, yeah, yeah, like there's something where it's like, I want to be able, I want to be operating on that level of just like showmanship with this band because I know that it's possible. And like, that's what's in my brain. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. And you should. <laughs> yeah. Why not? <laughs> yeah. You know, why the fuck not? Yeah. When you're working with, you know, such a large group of musicians, because right now um, I am not, I have a five piece band, very small. You have a, a larger ensemble. How's it like working with so many adults that have their own lives and things like that? It's incredibly interesting. I wake up, <laughs> I wake up every day grateful for every single one of totally, them. Totally, totally. They're the kindest people. They're down for no. They they are really great, and we're we've found a really great wheelhouse of of how we um, manage our house right now. This year we started touring with a lot less. It's just economically very hard. We found a way, and through you know just 
other people stepping up and, and, and you know, covering some stuff. We, we, we just figured out a way to be able to, to deliver the same product um, or, or next to next to the same product um, with a little less. So we're touring with seven now. Um, a lot more manageable, um, a lot more economically friendly, and we're content with that. And, you know, we're just, I'm just like, hey, we're doing this show in Pittsburgh. Are you free? I, you know, I'd love to hire you. I can afford you. Um, you know, it'll be great. So, like, you know, we just did our last show in Pittsburgh. We had, we had a 10 piece band um, on stage. We had a, the background singers with us and we added actually an extra horn. We've had the great fortune to start working with this trombone player named Frank Cohen, who's world renowned badass. Um, and he's, just you know, sitting in, we can afford them, and it just adds so much to the show, and it's it's great. And when we have Pittsburgh parties, we go hard. You know, like I have ten up there, but don't be shocked if there's ever fifteen or twenty. Like, I, yeah, just like you were saying earlier, like it's about the show. Like, I, you know, I, I'm ready, I'm ready to put on a show. Like, that's what means the most to me. I want to make a night with a common heart, memorable, and just like, you know, celebratory, but. The touring thing is a different ball game, you know, like we're down to seven and we can fit in a van and fit our equipment in a van and get to Canada on a weekend and still put on the same show. And it's like, yeah, it's a crazy, crazy situation that we have. Um, but that's where we're at. Yeah, no, I think that that is a very humbling and realistic answer to a problem that you know a lot of people have where it's just like touring in general is super hard and like the bigger of a production that you want like you know it's gonna be harder to manage that and when you're working with so many people it can be really hard to manage that unless you're in a position where you know that the band is going to be making you know x amount of money so that all of your members can get paid the amount that they need to get paid to continue doing this, you know, and that's another like weird threshold conversation too, where it's like the whole money and the business aspect comes into being a traveling slash working musician. Right. Yeah. You know, money is thing that keeps us going. You know, um, we have a pretty solid understanding in the common heart about, about money. You know, there's, Try to look at it monthly, you know, you're, and we, the, the model we have is kind of specifically talking about touring, you know, you look for that cornerstone kind of gig, you know, that can provide a little safety. And then you start talking about maybe taking a shot on some rooms, mm -hmm. um, you know, cause uh, let's be frank, the common hearts, we have a nice thing here in Pittsburgh. We have a, a great market of fans and we can put a nice amount of folks in a place. But sure. You're not, you're not playing the stage AEs of every city across the country. A hundred percent not, yeah. no. And that's, that's our reality and that's where we are and we're ready to work and, you know, get better as we go. But you know, when you leave your home market and you go, you just got to have the right attitude, the right mentality to get that all going. And sometimes money can be tight. The model for, for young, younger musicians out there, the model that, that I have always preached within my band that, and my bandmates agree and understand is that, you know, we're kind of a startup business. You know, we're, we do understand the greater goal, which the greater goal is sustainability. It's not the cover of the Rolling Stones. It's creating a quality product that is marketable across the world. And that's what you really want to do. Once you know you have that, it's trying to, to get in where you fit in and figure out how you can be sustainable through a year. If you want to be a traveling touring band, which is something that I want and my band wants, get in where you fit in, figure it out. What do you, how are you approaching every market that you're going to? For example, regionally, like Indianapolis, Cleveland, Cincinnati, New York, Philly, Boston. You better have a plan for every single city you're visiting. How are you approaching that plan? What are you doing? What is your team doing? 
you know, very fortunate here in Pittsburgh. And I would be be remiss without mentioning one of the number one reasons why we are we are in Pittsburgh is Randy Bauman and WDVE. His promotion and help to the local music scene is remarkable and unfounded. Find the Randy Baumans of every city. There's always a voice. There's always a voice of local music in every city. Figure out who that is. Get in their corner. Get on a podcast. I mean, I, this is these are conversations I have with myself every day. What am I doing with these markets to make every show count? When I look at my schedule coming up and I'm like, oh, well, I'm in Indy September 9th. Okay, I'm in middle of Vermont. I can't remember the town in October 7th. I, you know, I'm here, yeah. I'm there. I'm just like going through all these things of like, okay, we're two months out. Don't be doing this stuff two days out. Cause let me tell you, ain't nobody going to be there. Totally. Who's the best local podcast in mommy, Ohio. You know, that's a little town outside of Toledo, which we'll probably visit in a couple months. I say all that to say like research and work is that's the, that's the, you know, the whole thing. Like you got to, to have support of a community and have people like get the buzz going about get people to your show. That's an angle, you know, it's one angle. It missed, it's a hard angle, you know, it's hard to do, but like, that's the kind of mentality that goes through my head every day. A lot of people in arts grew up introverted and that's how they really got good at their craft. But I think that it, you reach a threshold where you as an person in the, air quote industry, if you want to be air quote successful, and if you're still an introvert, you're going to have a really hard time. So it's like like tapping into becoming more of an extrovert to talk to those people, to reach out, to get in hold of the radio stations or the podcasts, or even just being nice enough to like talk with the people at the venues, knowing how to yeah, communicate yeah. with booking agents and all that stuff. It could be really hard. I think that, you know, aside from the, the kind of shitty thing that I said earlier about like people's music, not being good enough, holding them back, which I mean, that is very true to some degree. If the art's not good, it's not going to work. I think another thing that holds a lot of people back is the fact that they're just not comfortable being social. What people didn't understand too, is that talent can supersede all of that. Right? So if you're, that crazy talented and a lunatic, God bless you. You get a hit, go on your journey. That's a different you'll, journey. You'll get somebody to speak for you. So I'm a grinder. Yeah. I'm a grinder. I know that I'm talented and I'm not shy to say that, but I'm also not, I don't, I didn't get my ticket yet. I'm a grinder. I work hard. This is how you work hard. You research, you don't sleep and you dream and you work your tail off to get opportunities. I'm coming from a grinder's mentality. I didn't get a ticket. I I got some cool opportunities, but like I got to grind every day. You know, there is a different artist that like has a hit and goes more power to you. I'm not hating on you. God bless you. That's amazing. I didn't have that. I'm, I'm working from the ground up. So when I go in, you know, if I'm fortunate enough to have a nice show in Pittsburgh and then I, I could literally go to the next night, somewhere else and play to four people, those four people are going to have the best night of their life. You know, yeah. that's my attitude. Cause I'm a grinder. I felt the need to say that just to like define where I'm coming from. You know what I mean? And, and yourself as well. You yeah. Know I, mean? I think that you're coming from a place that I can relate with where it's like, you want your art to be your own. There are people that have the air quote luck where something just happens and it blows up. But a lot of that is very temporary. And I think, you know, you'll see that with like younger artists where they catch a break and all you're doing is hearing about them for two weeks and then you never hear about them again. And like, that's cool success. That's great. But like, I'm not here for a short time. Like, I want to be in this until I'm done and I don't plan on leaving any fucking time soon. So it's like, I would rather do things on a smaller scale longer then, you know, get like super big off of something accidentally. Yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden I need to be that person. I've been told throughout the years, like, hey, like what you're doing is cool, but 
you know, if you did this, it would be better. But that's not me. And it's like, I'm not here to be a fucking Halloween act. Right. Like, I want to do me. Like, if I'm going to get famous, air quote, like, I want it to be because of something I am. I don't want to be perpetually stuck in this cycle of needing to meet other people's expectations built off of something that I fabricated to, like, attract the demographic of people that I wasn't even interested in attracting in the first place. Right. But there are other people that are happy just, like, what is happening now? I have friends that are like this, that play in bands where it's like, you know, every time they put out something, it's the flavor of the week for what's happening in the genre at that time, because they're trying really hard to just be a part of the machine. That's what they want. Right. Okay, cool. I'm not interested in that. Right. It's like, oh, are you like, are you death metal? Are you grindcore? Are you progressive metal? Are you uh, blackened shoegaze death metal? Are you melodic death metal? Are you metalcore? There's so many like, what are you? People don't know how to answer that question. No. <laughs> yeah. So they, it's literally, we're literally at the end of a cycle of music creation where people have been asked that question so many times, they don't know how to answer it, right? So like, I've, in my years of doing this, and I, I said this earlier, you know, rock and roll with gospel and soul influence, and that's even a mouthful. I tell this to my band all the time. Do you see our show? We're a rock and roll band. Yeah. Like, we're doing rock music. Yeah. And, and, and don't get twisted. You know what I mean? Like that, I agree. That's the thing is like, why do we need to go any deeper than that? Right. You know, it's because people don't know how to answer the question. Yeah. It's just, it, it's, it's so fucking infuriating to me i am i am fascinated with everything you just talked about there and like the the inner workings of metal genre sections and when you talk to somebody who's really engulfed and knows and can navigate so i had a band member who's super into that and he like navigated me through like this is this this is this and it's all metal right I'm just sitting in my head. I'm like, well, this is metal. <laughs> this is metal. I mean, yeah. it's all great. Totally. But it, I, I don't know. I enjoy the journey of learning a little bit more about some of the sub genres. It's so funny because like from a perspective of somebody who has tried to market their band to other people, there are very few reviewers or tastemakers or dare I say gatekeepers in the community that are just like, I'm down for anything metal. They're like, oh, well, my community is black metal focused or my community is power metal focused or my community is thrash metal focused. You know, and it's just like, if you don't fit inside one of those boxes perfectly, you're fucked. And like one of our biggest downfalls in full transparency, which I don't think is a downfall, but Mark, from a business standpoint, it is a downfall, is the fact that we don't fit nicely into any of the boxes. We're either not heavy enough for some people or too heavy for some people, too slow, too fast. Oh, and you know, and, and, and as you could probably God. predict, ironically, it's the exact same thing with the common art. It, you know, through the years, we've gotten a little more focused in on purpose, but it's also like that in the beginning, that was always a conversation. Quick story, like we played a show and I was, you know, I've told the story a few times. But it's like, I went to the bathroom and I heard these two guys talking and they're just like, that band was great. If they could just figure out what they're trying to do. <laughs> or if they, or I think they might've said like, if they just picked a lane or something. You know? uh, and I was just like, that's nice. <laughs> fuck man. I think. Sure. <laughs> Holy shit. I've heard that kind of stuff through the years. I mean, you just gotta be you, man. Yeah. That's, that's it. It'll, but there's been a lot of conversations around the water cooler about how to do exactly what we're talking about right now, how to, you know, get into one lane and kind of push, but you got to be careful to not let it affect the best part of what you do. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like we all have a best part. We all have a part that brings us together with any music and don't let business get involved with that. Be conscious of business. Think of business. Be smart. But also, don't let it creep too in. 
as an artist, you want to work with a blank canvas. But it's really easy, I imagine, if you have other people that start to get involved, kind of a lot of cooks in the kitchen situation, where that blank canvas turns into a paint by numbers right. situation. And I think that, you know, that that works for a lot of people. But when you're talking about like getting in a lane, it's like, well, this lane is a predetermined thing that has already been set. And it's like, okay, well, that's like automatically like just uh handicapping creativity. Right. To like a, a, a huge degree for somebody that like genuinely wants to like do something unique. Right. You know, and I don't I don't know about you, but for me it's like I don't feel like there's any point in, you know, basically writing cover songs that aren't cover songs. Right. You know, I want to just do my own thing. And if I can't do that like successfully, that's okay. Then it's just not successful. Cause like making the art is like what's most important to me. But then you get stuck in that, like, well, I also need to live. And I don't want like a real job. So how do you balance it? That's always the, that's the complicated thing. That's the big, I'm glad you didn't ask me that one. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's the thing too, is it's like, it's super easy to be like, oh, like it must be really cool being a, a traveling musician and working for yourself. It's like, I don't work for myself. I work for the crowd. They're my boss. The audience is your boss to some degree. Yeah. You got to make them happy with all of your creativity and performance and ability and all that stuff. The boss is weird. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) Totally. So with you right now and the common heart being in the middle of putting out some new music or writing it, I'm sure there's no definitive timetable right now for any of that. This is kind of the point where it'd be like, if there's anything promotional wise that you want to put out, you should, but maybe you're in an in-between right now and that's okay too. No, I actually do have a definitive uh, oh. <laughs> that I'm happy to share. Boom. Let's go. Yeah. So, yeah, the rest of our year is, you know, going to be really focused on making this record. And it's all leading up to some really great opportunities that are coming at the top of 2024. Um, we're a part of an amazing um, cruise called the Rock Boat. Um, and, and the Rock Boat is a cruise from the Miami to the Bahamas that, Mm. has uh young the giant is the headliner and uh, the struts and a bunch of other bands but a, a really great opportunity for the band to go out and um you know m- meet a lot of new markets and me and, and and be with a, a lot of uh, amazing musicians and all that said to say that that we are you know hoping and gearing and planning to be putting out you know a, a new ep of sorts um, at the top of 24, um, which we will, um, very much looking forward to. We don't have all the details ironed out, but, uh, top of 24 new common heart. Love that. That's the goal. That fucking rules. Well, Hey, you know, I hate to cut a conversation short, but it's actually not that short. We've been going for well over an hour. Hell yeah. And, uh, I'm sure that we'll sit here and bullshit a little bit more once we're done, but, all that to say that I really appreciate you coming on today, Clinton. I really genuinely respect your band a lot. I don't operate in the genre at all, but is somebody where actually we'll just we'll just keep it street real, recognize real. Oh, thank my you, friend. Thank and you. I, I I just I love you guys. Thank you so and, much. You know, I think that it's super inspirational. I love talking with you. I love seeing you guys just continue to kill it. I feel like the focus has always been in the right place with your band. And that is what I find the most inspirational. It's just about get the fucking songs done, play the fucking shows. Just do that. I think we have similar inner monologues. Yeah. <laughs> um, if anybody's interested in the band, check us out at the And uh, Brian, thank you so much for having me. Of course. Of course. Thank you so much for coming on. I'll be back again next week with another episode. Same time, same place, same channel. You know the drill. My name is Brian Sykes Howe. Start the Beat is the name of this podcast. You're listening to it, so you obviously know where to find it. Hit the subscribe button or the follow button or the like button, whatever it is on whatever platform you're doing, and come back. 
hang out with us some more. I'll be talking to the coolest of the coolest, the realest of the real. I'm making this up as I go, but fuck it. Let's do it. Love it. Take care of yourselves. Take care of the people around you. Peace. And that is all, folks. I really hope that you enjoyed that conversation. I appreciate you all sticking around to the end. Since we're still here, what should we do? What do you want to talk about? What are you thinking? You don't got nothing else to do today? That's cool. We can keep chatting for a bit. I'm into that. I will use this time to promote myself since my show is not sponsored. We could just say it's sponsored by me, Brian Sykes Howe, and all of my creative endeavors, which if you aren't familiar with that, you could check out my website, briansykeshow.com. I play in some bands. I do solo music. I do this podcast, all sorts of things. Feel free to check it out if you would like. That's all I'm going to say about that. And until next time, my friends, take care of yourselves. Take care of the people around you. Peace.